0: Episode number 171 of the Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Ninefold. Ninefold is a high-performance platform for deploying and hosting Ruby on Rails applications. Ninefold now offers a free tier. Here's how it works. 50 bucks is waived every month from your invoice for all apps deployed. This gives each customer a a 1.5 gigabyte server in the U.S. region for free. The platform is built on Ninefold's own infrastructure with servers in the U.S. and Asia-Pacific. Ninefold owns the entire stack from the hardware up. They provide measurably better performance compared to the competition and more economical scaling. Ninefold makes it extremely easy to deploy your Rails app straight from your Git repository. You can either uh, use the online wizard or the command line interface. Ninefold offers great features straight out of the box, including... Great customer support, zero downtime deployment, SSL, Redis, Memcache, load balance, uh, load balancers, and firewalls. Visit ninefold.com to deploy your Rails app today, and thanks to them for sponsoring the show. So, episode 171 is going to be a new experience. <laughs> one, it's the first time I've ever had a glass of wine, because I'm recording this uh, late at night. But more importantly, uh, it's going to be the first one that I've done by myself. And here's the reason. I've been doing this big, long series of podcasts about uh, uh, the uh, Rails Rumble, the hackathon that comes that uh, is coming up this weekend. So last weekend, I actually participated in another hackathon out in San Francisco uh, as a solo participant. One to do it, and I'll get into why. But in part because I wanted to report back to, uh, to this podcast about what that experience was like. Hopefully sharing uh, that would make it... Uh, uh, easier or more fun or, or whatever for folks that are going to do the same for the Rails Rumble. So here it goes. Uh in order to keep myself on track, I wrote out about 18 questions that I, I'm going to I'm going to walk through. Uh it should simulate uh the sort of usual show that I do, but I'm um, not totally sure what this is going to be like, so bear with me. Okay, so let's get into it. So first, what hackathon did I compete in? So I participated in the uh in the same hackathon that Reed Carlberg talked about on last week's podcast, that's the Salesforce Million Dollar Hackathon out in San Francisco. And the reason I picked that one is that, one, it was uh, it was on uh, technologies that I was familiar with, and I know Reed, and Reed's a great guy, and he convinced me that it would be a, a pretty good use of a weekend. So, uh, so I decided to take him up on it. Now, on the bad side, it was out in San Francisco, and uh, compared to the Rails Rumble, that is a huge bummer not only did I have to get out there to, uh, to actually be in San Francisco all weekend, but, uh, uh, the travel just, uh, the travel was hard. I had a busy week last week and and that was much less, uh, much less convenient than the Rails Rumble is. So, uh, for those competing this coming week in the Rails Rumble from the comfort of your own home, uh, consider yourself lucky. But anyhow, I'd suggest going to, uh, to the, uh, the, the page for the Salesforce hackathon to learn more. If you're interested, just Google for Salesforce hackathon million dollar prize, and you'll see what I did, but here's the format. <clears throat> it was a, uh, it was a weekend long competition. It started on Friday night, sometime around 6 PM, and it went till noon on Sunday. And during that time, uh, teams that were from one to, uh, seven people big could compete. I decided to do it by myself, so a bit of a disadvantage in some ways, maybe an advantage in others. But given that it was all in the same room in, in this big, huge uh, convention center in San Francisco, it was interesting to see how other teams sort of organized themselves, uh, found each other, and then and then worked during the weekend. Anyhow, went throughout the weekend, and then on Sunday, uh, there was a, a judging process during the... Uh, during the afternoon, from about one o'clock until four o'clock, and then they were supposed to um, announce the winners on Sunday at at five. They were delayed by I think three hours. They didn't do it till Sunday at eight, unfortunately. But I'll tell you all about that experience. So, uh, so first, let me give you a preview of how it went. I uh, I actually thought that my entry was pretty good, and I'll get into more about why that was, but. You know, sometimes at the end of a hackathon, you feel deflated, like it just didn't go as you hoped. In this case, it it actually kind of did. I, I had a pretty clear idea for what I wanted to build and and built it. And uh, for that, I was pretty happy uh, with one exception, which was the, the judging at the Salesforce hackathon is quite different than the Rails Rumble hackathon. Um, instead of it being kind of a uh, go-to-a-website, that describes the app and then go to the app itself and and get a feel for what that process or what the app is like and, and sort of make up your own mind about how you feel. It was a, uh, what they called a science fair style judging. What that means is in this one huge, extremely loud room groups of three judges would come around and spend somewhere between two minutes and 40 seconds and three minutes, uh, hearing about your app. And I, uh, I found that process super, um, a, a super big bummer, because instead of actually being able to to show the app that I built, it was, it was mostly a battle against the elements trying to get what it, what was an audio centric app to be audible in this very loud room, and uh, you know it took what was a pretty good weekend and made a huge bummer of it because I, I didn't feel like the the app itself could shine in that environment, and you know that's probably my own fault. I, I knew what the format was for the judging, at least on paper. I don't think I had a, a very clear idea of what it would be like in practice. And, uh, you know, the minute the th- that pitch was done, I felt a sinking feeling that what I think was a an app that was good enough at least to get into the finalists uh, probably would never see the light of day because, you know, it was never actually used by a judge. It just had that that three-minute little uh, presentation span in a super loud room to to go over an audio app. So, you know, to summarize, uh, the weekend itself went well in terms of the production of the app. The pitch was, was a bummer. It really didn't, it really didn't satisfy me. And, uh, I ended up not getting into the finalists, which was, uh, you know, not something that I exactly expected given that I was a solo guy in a very big competition. And there was, you know, there were many other good, uh, good projects, but you know, I, if I'm being honest, i with myself and the podcast, I, I, I thought the app, it, was probably good enough to get into the finalists and, and uh you know just didn't uh just didn't uh, get the kind of pitch that it deserved but anyhow let's let's go through the uh the uh the whole process so you can learn more about what I experienced so you know why did I decide to do this well, I think for a couple reasons one I like hackathons. And I don't have it in me to do that many of them in part because I've got other obligations. I'm a dad and I'm a husband and I've got business obligations and it's just difficult to take too much time out to do a hackathon. But maybe once every six to nine months, I get the urge and and want to do it. So um, given that I've been um, following the Rails Rumble or, or a participant rather in the Rails Rumble this year, um, um, interviewing all of the potential participants and, and having a sort of a role as a sponsor of the event, I didn't think that it was appropriate to compete in the Rails Rumble this year. And I thought Reed did a nice job of pitching why uh, the uh, Salesforce event would be interesting. So I decided to do that. Plus, there was a decent amount of prize money at stake and figured, well, if I am going to do a hackathon, why not have it one uh, be one where, on the off chance that I do well, it could result in a, uh, a bit of a payoff. So that's why I decided to compete in this one. Uh, why did I decide to do it alone? Is I think maybe one part that I I thought that it'd be more fun to compete alone. I didn't have a crew of people that I knew was going to be in San Francisco and that wanted to compete. And second, I think it's uh, I think it's fun for me to see if I can do an entire app: the design, the concept, the copywriting, the code, the project management, the pitch, etc., by myself. And, uh, that's, I think, a personality thing. I've done that, um, in one way or another in many things that I've worked on in the last few years, I hadn't participated in a hackathon by myself strictly, although I have been the only programmer a couple times before. So I decided that, you know, the combination of, I didn't have a better alternative and that I like to, uh, to try to tackle entire projects by myself meant that a solo project, uh, wasn't a bad idea. Um, I also, uh, one last reason is I, I really like the solo projects in the rails rumble. I had uh, Kelly shaver on a few episodes ago and I enjoyed hearing her story about how she uh, won that side of the competition last week. And, and, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to have that experience, uh, myself this year so I could share it. So I could relate to those people that were going to brave it alone in the rails rumble this year. So, um, what did I build? Well, I built an app called call for practice and um, it's a uh, it's an application that's about helping salespeople. Now this could have been for non-salespeople, but I chose salespeople in part because of the Salesforce sponsorship of that hackathon, but it's for salespeople to practice their sales pitch over the phone. So here's how it works. You call a phone number, say while you're in the car and then pick the sales situation that you want to go through. So say, uh, the, the judging at the hackathon or, you know, a, a pricing conversation with a customer or whatever. And then it prompts you through a set of questions that have been designed in advance um, and, you know, asks you the question and then records your response. When you're done with that process of getting the questions and giving your responses, then you uh, when you hang up the phone, it it sends you a text message with a link to to the app so you can review your uh, responses, see how they sound, share them with colleagues, see what other people said, etc. And I thought it was a pretty good idea in advance. And um, in hindsight, actually having built it while, you know, given that I had a weekend, I think there were some things I could do better. um, It it worked. Uh, And uh, one of the most, uh, one of the most interesting experiences was that I, I was getting ready for the judging process. And I used the app one to make sure that it worked. And two, just because I needed to practice. So I had uh, taken the questions that I'd prepared in advance as the, as the sort of the demo stub seed content for the app and used it on myself to actually walk through the questions that I'd expect. If in fact, the process included questions, which it really didn't, which was also a bummer, but anyhow, so out on the balcony of the, uh, of this conference facility, I called into the number that I had, I had uh, quote purchased for uh, for my call for practice account uh, on the uh, service, and went through the the questions that I had prepared, and then listened back to them. And um, man, was that interesting! Um, I think the app actually served a pretty good purpose, and I enjoyed using it. So, anyways, that's what I built. Call for Practice. Uh, it's up actually at callforpractice dot com if you want to take a look. So. Uh, how did I decide to build that? Well, I think two main reasons. You know, I, in, in a couple of previous podcasts, I had talked about how I find business apps built during hackathons to be a bit of a bummer. You know, in general, I think it's more fun if people make things that are fun. But in this case, uh, given that it was a uh, competition that was sponsored by Salesforce and had a, a pretty clear set of criteria, there were things like innovation, user experience, business usefulness, and... Uh, use of Salesforce technologies. Um, g- given that they put out criteria, I felt like it was sort of dumb if I participated and didn't um, uh, didn't actually try to to excel at the categories that they were judging on. So I, I basically laid out the uh, the criteria that they had stated, and then tried to brainstorm ideas that would score well on all four. That I was also somewhat interested in. You know, I thought they're building an audio-centric app. I built it on using Twilio uh, on the back end. I thought that was interesting, kind of a novel novel idea for a mobile app. Um, I didn't say that before, but the app had to be a mobile app. And uh, anyway, so that's how I decided. Again, in hindsight, I think I would have... I think the the only big problem with the choice was that it was, you know, an audio-first application. And if I had thought more about the environment of the... Uh, of the judging, I think I would have probably either done something that wasn't audio centric or rigged up a demo kit that allowed the audio to be easily heard by everyone, either through headsets or through a loudspeaker or something like that. But, but anyhow, that's that's the criteria or that's the process that I used to to decide what I was going to build, and um, I think that that's a smart way to do it. I mean, whatever is your objective for the for the hackathon, whether it's to try to win, and I had never tried to win one before this time. Now I did try this time and failed, but but I had never tried that before. But whatever your objective is, uh, I think it makes sense to take a spreadsheet or a little just piece of paper, write out what those uh, objectives are or the, the the sort of dimensions of the objective are, and then compare your idea against those objectives and pick based on that. I found it. Uh, a nice structured way to make the choice, and and I ended up picking an app that that I was happy with, you know, even if in hindsight it didn't end up uh, winning. So let me uh, let me take a quick break and tell you about our uh, second sponsor today. And I'm excited about this sponsor. It's a it's a new sponsor to the show, but an app that I've or a service that I've used for a while on and off, probably for a couple of years, and it's Mandrill so mandrill is an email infrastructure service that started as an idea back in 2010 that idea came and uh, became reality in 2012 when mandrill cannibalized a crew of mailchimp's best engineers obviously uh, mandrill came out of mailchimp so isolated from the rest of the team they turned the idea from a a skunkworks project into a product that outperforms competitor services Growing fast and innovating faster, Mandrill's now the largest email-as-a-service platform on the market with more than 300,000 active customers. can use Mandrill to send uh, automated one-to-one email um, emails out like password resets and welcome messages, as well as marketing emails and customized newsletters is quick to set up, easy to use, and ridiculously stable. We made it for developers who love documentation, integrations, high delivery rates, webhooks, and analytics. If you're not comfortable with code and APIs, we recommend finding someone who is before getting started. Mandrill comes with a beautiful interface, flexible template options, custom tagging, and advanced tracking and reports. It's the only email infrastructure service with a mobile app that lets you monitor, delivery, and troubleshoot from wherever you are. It's also powerful, scalable, and affordable, but you don't have to take uh, my word for it. Go to mandrel.com with promo code 5 by 5 and you'll receive 50,000 free email sends per month for your first six months of service. <laughs> That's a good deal. Um, so thank you to Mandrill for supporting five by five and the Ruby on rails podcast. Quick aside from me about Mandrill. I, uh, I've used Mandrill uh, for two different apps and in both cases, it was the same situation, which was, we were sending a lot of transactional email and, uh, just sort of SM sending through SMTP didn't make sense anymore. And in both cases, uh, this was about a year apart. I took a look at the alternatives and picked Mandrill for, uh, for myself. So it worked out great. Um, uh, I'd say exactly like the uh, ad copy here would indicate. So, uh, it gets my endorsement, uh, based on my own experience. So check it out. Okay. So back to, uh, back to my hackathon. So, um, what process did I use to prepare for this? Well, I, I had first, there was the idea of what process I would use. And then there was the, the actual process itself. So, In my imagination, I would have a lot of time to do the preparation so that when I actually got to uh, the event out in San Francisco, I would be able to just dive right in. Now, life got a little complicated between when I decided to compete, which is I think a couple weeks in advance of the competition, and the actual competition, and I had very little time to prepare. But I I did squeeze as many hours and late nights and on planes as I could to get ready, and and, uh, here's what I did. So I started with the, um, pitch in mind and it's funny, you know, I've been doing this podcast, so uh, what I did was actually wrote a podcast ad for the app and I thought I was being super smart. Um, and, and in hindsight, I think I, I think the idea was smart, but I think the execution was a bit stupid in that what I should have done is, uh, write a three minute visual demo Concept for the app instead of an audio pitch, because I think that the the science fair style really lent itself to sort of visual first, relatively few words, ooh and ah. Look at look at what you're seeing in front of you. Kind of pitches, um, not so much the the sort of dense content audio ads like a podcast ad um, has. So I think on the smart side, it, it's very smart if you're if you're trying to win one of these things to to think about the sales pitch at the very beginning and go backwards from there. Um, I think in my case, I, I I didn't have a close enough idea as to what the, the pitch environment would be like, what it would be like to actually be in that loud room doing a um, demo to three people that could, couldn't hear you that well and could only see what was on your tiny little phone in front of them. (laughs) Quick aside, I ordered the iPhone six plus a couple weeks ago and, man, did I really wish I had it for this event because it would have been 10 times better to demo um, the app that I did on uh, iPhone 6 Plus than it would on my iPhone 5, but oh well. But anyhow, I started on the sales pitch and I went backwards. And by backwards is once I knew what I wanted to be able to say it did, I built, I guess what you'd call kind of a set of sprints for an MVP. I wouldn't usually use either of those words, but I don't know how else to say it. I think I broke down what I was going to build into eight different, um, sets of, of sort of related functionality and, um, uh, thought, okay, if I can get through the first three, the first night, and then the next five, the, uh, second day, and then only have a couple left for the morning on Sunday, I'll be in pretty good shape. And then detailed out for each of those milestones, kind of the parts beneath it. And I, that worked out. I, uh, I went on this list of, I don't know how many to-dos it had. So it was probably eight times five or something. So 40, 40 to 50 to-dos. Um, it was like that granular and and uh, grouped them by milestone and went through in the order that I expected on the actual, um, actual days of the event. And I, I thought that that worked out pretty well. I didn't do any production of anything in advance. I mean, you couldn't write any code, um, but I didn't do any... I'm not sure if you could do any design work in advance i didn't, um, but I did get some ideas from a friend about um, design concepts and I had uh most of the idea worked out, certainly color schemes and logo and sort of brand for the project, at least the concept thought through on on paper on a plane and I'm not that good at that side of things i mean I, I can kind of build logos as I need and deal with the CSS as I need, but it's not really my thing. So I wanted to have a nice simple, um, app look that looked good. And, and I, I had a good enough idea of that in advance. Um, so anyways, that's how I prepared. I went in maybe 50% as prepared as I'd hoped. Um, but, but relatively prepared and it made a huge difference because, you know, I didn't have that much time and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit and I had to use it pretty wisely. So anyhow that that was the preparation side so i i had been um traveling for the week and i flew from where i was out to san francisco I got there only a couple hours before the hackathon started and uh <laughs> i mentioned that it was at a physical place so what was it like to compete in a hackathon that's actually somewhere that was a first for me and um i don't re- i didn't really like it um I don't want to sound too negative about it, but I mean there was some good. So it was at um, kind of a space adjacent to Moscone West in uh, in San Francisco, so where the Big Apple events would happen, and where where Salesforce's uh, big Dreamforce conference happens. So it was at it was at a facility that's sort of part of that same structure, but not actually part of Moscone West. I think it was across the street, and. I'll give Salesforce credit that I think they did a a very nice job with this space. It was outfitted, especially for this event. There were about 800 people or so that competed. So it was quite a large space. And there were kind of a collection of big, long farm house-style tables, some um, smaller, like, rustic library tables. And then there was, like, an outdoor area that they had put heated tents over um, that added more capacity to the event and that had sort of, like, long... Um, I guess library style tables too. Um, a lot of people, including me actually, um, stayed there the entire time. So I think you could leave and go home or go wherever, hotel to work, but a good percentage of the, the people that competed actually stayed in the, in the same facility the entire time they brought either, you know, blankets or sleeping bags or whatever, and just crashed when they wanted to sleep kind of wherever they could, they could find, um, but anyhow, I, I thought that, well, a couple more good things. So I thought that the, the Salesforce did a nice job sort of arranging the space. Uh, it's quite a challenge to do that with 800 people. The food was excellent, I'd say. So it was more than just like decent conference food. It was excellent food. Um, so that was good. Uh, no, nah, that was the good. Okay. And the bad, um, you know, there weren't a lot of nice people that competed, so I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here. But there was a lot of, a lot of types of people there. And you know, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's good to just, you know, get mixed in with the overall community that you're competing with. I Actually, I, I definitely can see the good in that. But but there, there was some bad, too, from people that were jerks to people that smelled funny to uh, people that were loud and inconsiderate people. I, I mean, you name it, it was there. And, um, there were also people that were, you know, kind and interesting and, uh, teams that seemed to really have fun. So, so I'm, it wasn't that it was all bad. It's just that it was a lot and there were a lot of people. So any demographic was very well represented in the room and it was just one big room. So, you know, if you don't like an open floor plan at all, imagine an open floor plan on steroids with less sleep and, and, uh, you've got what this facility was like. So you know, I think that, I think they did pretty well, uh, making the good, good, but the bad was, the bad was definitely there too. And, um, you know, th- there wasn't exactly a lot of camaraderie so that I didn't really get a lot of, of good out of the event that way. It just was a cost to be there in person, both in time to get there and expense to get there and, you know, agitation to have to deal with the negative components. So You know, I'd I'd say I, unless the, unless the situation was quite different, I think that I would be careful about competing in a situation where it was, uh, it was at a physical location like this again. All right. So how did I spend my time? Well, I said before that I, I broke things up into eight or so milestones and, you know, I basically just plowed through it. I, um, I think it was 42 hours in total. So it started at, um, Yeah. It started at six o'clock at night on Friday and went till noon on Sunday. So 42 hours, I, um, worked of those. Let's see. So I slept three hours the first night and I slept four hours the second night. And I think probably eight for one more hour, you know, altogether. Um, so of the 42, I slept for seven. I like call it did something else for one. Um, so I worked for a solid 34 or 42 hours, which, you know, I don't think I could physically do much better than, you know, of those hours, um, uh, you know, I, I'd say the first night I got the app up and running, uh, uh, made sure I could deploy out to, uh, to, um, the server and, and sort of have a live app up and running. I'd learned that from past hackathons and I'd heard from, um, a lot of the people that compete in the rails rumble every year that having sort of your workflow to, to get the app out into production early on is, is smart. And I agree. So I got that right. I actually used CodeShip as part of that, which is the third sponsor I'll talk about later, but I use them for my continuous integration sort of strategy so that I didn't have to sort of worry about the, you know, running the tests and deploying out to the production app. And I thought that was a pretty big help. I would, I would definitely recommend that. Um, but, anyhow, so I got things sort of basically up and running. I banged out the model next. I got the design looking okay early because I know that that's not my strength and I wanted to make sure I didn't get caught um, estimating incorrectly on that late. You know, on a lot of the programming side of things, I, you know, of course I'm susceptible to bugs like anyone is, but I have a pretty good idea of how, how long things will take. But on the design side and and twiddling CSS and making sure things look good, I feel less confident. So I got that out of the way early. Anything that required alertness, I got. I tried to get out of the way early. Um, and then once I had, you know, once I had that, I had the the, the app infrastructure, the the design, the sort of uh, scaffold of the CSS and how the application layout would work, and it had to be responsive. So I had to make sure it worked on a mobile device. Uh, and then uh, had the 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 model of the app done then I started to pound through the actual um the actual functionality there was only there was only one thing in the app that I knew was going to be a bit tricky so I I tried to well I delayed it for a while um uh, because I knew I would have a lot of other sort of uh, block and tackling issues to get rid of, but then gave myself a solid, say three, uh, three to four hours. Again, of only of only thirty, um, thirty four total, but a solid four hours to work out uh, exactly how the recording process would work, so that um, I could record the individual answers to the prompts in the call for practice app and have it like dependably record and ha- be it be responsive enough from a performance standpoint and, and all that jazz. I, I, um, again was using Twilio, but Twilio like directly out of the box didn't support what I needed. So I had to stitch together a solution and, uh, you know, gave myself a pretty wide berth on that feature again, about four hours to make sure that I could get it done. It turned out it took less and I ended up having trouble in some other areas, but I think that was a smart way to approach it at the very least. Okay. So what was I able to complete in the 42 total hours and 34 hours of working well i i ended up cutting two features that were important i think or or that i thought were important when i designed the app and in hindsight i think one of them would have been important to the judging process And, and and i wish in hindsight i had done that one and dropped something else but i'll tell you about the two i dropped so what I dropped uh, was first I had wanted to allow for the recording of audio feedback so that a manager or a colleague or mentor or whatever could listen to an answer that was provided by uh, a salesperson that's using the app and then could give feedback that they would receive by text message or on the app. And uh, I think it's a good feature, and I I wish I had done it. And in some ways, it wouldn't have been all that hard to build. But again, I didn't have a ton of time here, so I, I ended up cutting that from my plan sometime around mid-afternoon Saturday uh, when I was worried that maybe I wouldn't have enough time to get everything else done and I wanted to sort of de-stress that part of the plan. Another feature I had not planned on but then thought of during the hackathon, and that was a very simple way for someone to give a number of stars, like a rating, to either their own sales pitch or to someone else's sales pitch. And have that, you know, uh, uh, help sort the responses and provide some sort of social feedback to other people about about what responses you liked. Um, now that it's done, I'm really bummed I didn't do that. It would have been quite an easy feature to build. Um, I think compared to many things that I have built, it would have been relatively trivial. And um, I think it would have demoed well. And I, I think um, actually in the use of the app, now that I've used it, it would have been very good. So, you know, I, I dropped, I had put that on my list, but a little bit too late. And I had already allocated a a bit too much time to, to other things. I think that, you know, as I said before, um, starting the process with the end in mind, which is like, what do you want to demo to people? What do you want to be able to show? If I had gotten that more right and thought through visually what I want to show, not just the sort of the audio pitch, since I'm used to doing this part, I think that the rating, the giving stars to a response, would have would have been more clear as a good feature early, and it would have been prioritized earlier on in my development process, so I didn't have to drop it at the at the end because I thought of it too late. So, anyways, that's what I dropped. But what I completed was pretty big. So, um, I made an app where a user could sort of self-register by, so to speak, uh, a phone number that they could use to call for practice. Could add scenarios. Uh, like uh, types of sales situations that um, that they would encounter they can add um, they can add multiple scenarios to their number they can add multiple um, prompts or questions to their scenarios they can reorder them they can edit them um, they can add users uh, to the uh, to the phone number uh, a cool thing that didn 't demo it all, at all and uh, again this is a this is one of those another lesson learned, which is it's a bit of a bummer to build a feature that's super cool that doesn't actually have much weight in the demo. And that was I, I built the, the authentication on phone number so that as a as a user I could invite another user, add their phone number to the account, and then that person would get a text message and could call into the number and participate on the app. Um, without a password or anything, because it was authenticating on their phone number, which someone else had invited into the app. uh, Super cool. Like I thought that was a great feature. I think it practically was awesome. I think in, in, uh, in reality, so to speak in, in this hackathon, I could have just not authenticated at all and it would have been the same. And I, I'm torn about that. Like part of me thinks, you know, don't do anything that um, isn't superficially obvious. And then the other, other part of me thinks that, well, then, you know, why not just make a bunch of PowerPoint slides and show them, which isn't at all interesting to me and not something that I would want to do. So um, I don't know what to take away from that. You know, yeah, I, per, perhaps, uh, you know, so, so is there, are there a set of rules that you want to not break on principle? And even if they cost you, so to speak, uh, something in terms of what you can get done in a certain amount of time, um, you don't care because you're not going to build a, de- you know, a demo. You actually want to build an app or you say, no, you know, I'm going to play to win and be like Bill Belichick and, you know, whatever the rules are, you go for them. I don't know how I feel. It sort of isn't my style to it isn't my style to not want to build an app that I think is actually decent. But I wonder how much that conflicts with the goal of winning. So anyhow, um, you know. In addition to the things I just said, I built the all the features with Twilio, so you could actually call. You could um, go through and and answer, uh, you know, answer questions, get around the menuing system to to start over, go to a different scenario, or whatever. And that was actually quite interesting. I, I ended up um, recording. I think it was twenty one different audio bits that ended up becoming the app, which is fun. I had never done something exactly like that before I had built things on Twilio before, but never built an extensive enough audio app that I had to you know, record 21 different things. The things would be like, uh, you know, here's what you just recorded to, uh, to continue on to the next scenario, press one, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I built all that. I built the text messaging, um, process both for authentication and knowing, that, uh, letting someone know that they were invited and then giving them the link back to their, um, uh, back to their, um, the, the call so they could review online, uh, what they had said. So I built all that again, the, the whole app was responsive, so it worked quite well on a, on a phone. Um, so that was interesting, yeah. and, uh, back on the authentication for one more thing. So in addition to the sort of authenticate based on phone number, and then, um, you know, you could do username and password or uh, phone name or phone number, sorry, and, and password, um, through the website. Um, I also made, uh, using the, um, rails one. I forget the name of it, the ver, the verifier, um, feature. I, I may be screwing that up, but if you search for Rails Verifier, you'll find it. Um, a way to sort of stick a, a one-time use token onto the uh, onto the end of a link, so that even if someone hadn't registered with a username and password, that um, when they called to to use the app, that they could click through a link and still get to the results of their call through that sort of one-time use guy that would authenticate them. So I thought that was that was pretty cool too. So, I mean, the short version is I built a ton. Um, I didn't, you know, in the 34 waking hours that I had to build things, I really didn't have anything big go wrong. And, you know, maybe that's a sign that I was playing it a bit too safe and working on things I was super familiar with, or maybe it was a sign that I got lucky, or maybe it's a sign that I've been doing this for long enough now that that's how it can go. But it, uh, it went pretty smoothly. Uh, I said a lot about what went right and what went wrong. Um, but you know, on the right side, I think that if I had prepared more, it would have gone even more right. But the amount of preparation I did do really, really helped. I think I stuck to a pretty good sort of sweet spot of what I knew how to do. And I think that that's pretty, um, pretty smart. Uh, while I didn't sleep all that much, I mean, again, I think seven hours in total over the time I slept when I got tired and I actually found that that was a, a smart call. So, you know, one night I think I fell asleep at, I went to sleep at 10 o'clock, so quite early and then woke up at two and started the day. And I decided early that I would, I would rather go to sleep early and do kind of a nap than push through into the hours where I was just totally bonked and, and had no prayer of doing anything interesting. And, and I think that that sort of like disregarding the, the clock and, and just sleeping when you need to uh, a bit of a nap, um, that seemed like the right call. On the, what went wrong? You know, I think most of what went wrong was about the presentation. I think I just, and I'll talk about that more you know, in a minute after I talk about code ship, but um, the judging process, if you're trying to, you know, so in previous, um, in previous hackathons, I'd never tried to win. Like it wasn't even a consideration trying to win. And this one, I was interested in winning and the judging process is, is so much the story. If you're trying to win that uh, I just didn't optimize enough for it. And I, Um, that's my fault. I should have, I could have, I I think I optimized the concept for the judging criteria, but there's a difference between that idea and actually optimizing your pitch for the judging process. I I didn't get that right. And that's my fault. And I think if I could have done this exact app again, um, you know, if I got a redo on this past weekend, I allocated two more hours to the pitch and frankly got most of the pitch done in advance, including what visuals I wanted to show and had a way to, to amp the audio, I I think I would have gotten into the finalists or I would have had a good shot at the very least. So, you know, that's what went wrong. And, you know, that's my, even though I was pretty annoyed with Salesforce afterwards, to be honest about, about the environment for the judging, I, I think I could have, I mean, I had said to my, to my wife and a friend, um, on Saturday afternoon that I was concerned about this exact issue, which was the, the, what I felt the audio level would be like and how I hadn't prepared for that. And, you know, if I'd been smart, I would have taken 45 minutes and walked down to target and gotten speakers and then taken another hour and a half and, and, uh, and, uh, actually worked on sort of the visual side of this a little bit more. And I didn't, and you know, yeah, I had to live with that, but anyhow, before I talk about uh, the last few things, let me talk about our uh, last sponsor. So Uh, I'm really happy that CodeShip is still sponsoring the podcast. As I said, I used CodeShip um, for this hackathon, and it was a huge benefit. I mean, took no time to set up and absolutely paid off the whole time. So let me tell you about it. CodeShip is a free continuous delivery service that's really simple to use. They offer 100 builds per month for five private projects for free. The whole product also has a big focus on usability and is very easy to use can set up continuous integration in a few easy steps, and your software will, will automatically deploy when all of your tests have passed. Codeship has great support for multiple languages and test frameworks. You can easily integrate with GitHub and Bitbucket for code hosting and then deploy to cloud services or your own servers. Start out with Codeship's free plan. Setup only takes three minutes. Uh, you can find CodeShip. At uh, CodeShip.io/slash five by five ruby and use the offer code five by five ruby to get twenty percent off any plan for three months. You can also check out their blog at blog.codeShip.io to get updates. So again, here's how I use CodeShip in this project, uh, and I would totally recommend this for anyone that's competing in the uh, Rails Rumble. So one of the very first things that I did was I set up CodeShip um, uh, on the project. I didn't. I actually did test a decent amount of the project. Anything that was tricky, I, I used sort of TDD to, to help build just to keep my head on straight. And then, um, coach was helpful in that. Not only would it kick out to, to, um, production automatically and run, um, the migrations, et cetera. But in the handful of times where something broke, uh, it, I would know, it would let me know that the build broke. And, um, uh, hackathons are pretty stressful especially one like this where if you're going to keep coding you know late into the 42 hours if you don't have something like code chip to sort of quick smoke test if things are working um that can be pretty bad because uh your anxiety about if you're going to blow it all at the end by introducing some some breaking you know bug into the build and then basically not have anything to show for all this effort um a lot of that stress goes away with code chip. so Um, I use CodeShip in some professional work and, uh, I would definitely also recommend it for hackathons. So if you haven't checked them out yet, uh, and you're prepping for this weekend, uh, do give that a look at CodeShip.io slash five by five Ruby. Uh, one last thing about them. I actually think they're, they're an inspiration for how to pitch things too. CodeShip does it just a great job of marketing. And, uh, given how much hackathons are about marketing, not just about you know, design and coding. Uh, I would take a look at some of the techniques that they use on their website and sort of through social media because I think you could probably take some inspiration from that for a hackathon as well. All right, so let's get through the the last uh, handful of uh, questions that I wrote for myself. All right, so what was that judging process like? Well, I sort of beat this horse a bit, but um, I really hated it. Uh, I, I I and I haven't quite figured out what the takeaway is yet, but. It, I mean, I think all hackathon judging is superficial, so, uh, there's no version of this that wouldn't feel that way, but a quick science fair sort of tour through by, by, you know, a crew of three people that uh, you've never met before that, that aren't part of the community. It, it just didn't feel good. And, um, you know, in some ways I, I wished uh, either that I had optimized for this, uh, Uh, for this process and therefore wouldn't have felt bad. I would have felt good that I had thought it through and I didn't, um, or that I just didn't even care about it at all. Um, the fact that I cared about it and didn't optimize for it just felt like a huge bummer. So, you know, I would think about that for the rails rumble and and I'd go one of two paths, just like I just said. So either if you care about winning, you got to care about judging. And you can't care about judging in a way of like, you know, well, I'm, you know, I wish they would judge some different way. You just have to go with it. Just like, you know, I Bill Belichick comment before, um, you know, he always makes this joke about how he doesn't care what the rules are. He just cares about using them to win. And I think that that's how you have to feel about judging. If you care about winning a hackathon, which is intimately understand the judging, uh, and build everything that you build for the purpose of, of the demonstration to the judges. Yeah, So the rails rumble uses a different process than what this hackathon last week did. But I think the same advice applies, which is just start backwards. Say, you know, if someone's going to have 10 seconds to decide whether to click through the app and then in the app, 90 seconds to click around before they decide if they'll spend four more minutes, like how do you get them through each of those milestones and how do you get the conversion rate, you know, between each of them as high as possible? Um, because, uh, if you care to win, you're you have to care to, to think about those things. I think there's another alternative, which is to not care about winning, and I think that's a fine choice too. If you want to use the process to learn new technology or to have an experience with some friends or colleagues or to meet new people or you know whatever it is, that's fine. That's a totally reasonable, maybe maybe even a better um, use of a of a hackathon um but if that's your goal then don't care about the judging and don't care about the winning and don't even get emotionally invested whatsoever in the outcome um being somewhere in the middle where you care about winning but don't optimize for the judging is i think it's uh you know bad cricket as they say it's just not a good strategy you know as i mentioned i didn't win i don't yet know where i placed in the whole thing um you know, while I expect it wasn't all that far down, it wasn't in the top handful. So, you know, I didn't end up placing and, um, you know, that could be because the app concept wasn't right or I don't, or it could be that, you know, there are other, other entries that were super great. I tend to think because I looked at the other entries and I think that there were some good ones. I think that, uh, mine was perfectly good in that list too. Um, you know, I don't think I optimized for how that judging went and it cost me and it should have. Um, so, you know, take my own advice for next year. So how did I feel about the overall experience and would I do it again? Well, you know, I, it's a good question, uh, for me to ponder here. So uh, I enjoy building apps and I enjoy challenges. So the idea that I had 42 hours to go end to end on something by myself is exhilarating. And I enjoyed that part. Um, it's hard for me to separate my frustration about the judging process from my feelings about the whole thing. So if if you'd asked me this before the judging, not before the winners were announced, because I really, that didn't really change how I felt about it. But before the judging, I would have said it was a pretty good experience and I would do it again. Um, once I actually got into the judging moment and realized that I hadn't quite, you know, plan for what it would be like to be in a loud room with three people for a couple minutes. Well enough, that that made me feel like maybe I wouldn't do it again. But I, I think actually that's a bad conclusion. I think, I think actually I would do it again, and I would decide using the criteria I said before what my goal was, and if it was to win. And I wouldn't, for what it's worth, do one of these on-site company-sponsored ones in, if I wasn't trying to win it. I think that's crazy. I would just do the Rails Rumble if I was trying to have fun. But if you're trying to win you know, cause there's, there's prize money involved, uh, which I think is fine. And then I think I'd do it again. I just would go 150% in on optimizing for the judging process and, you know, probably wouldn't have done things like authenticate, um, in an interesting way and would have taken that time and invested it instead. in in getting the audio set up for the demo really tweaked or getting, um, you know, uh, optimizing the, the visual appeal of rating and the feedback that went to the mobile phone and two cell phones to show what it's like if you've got a colleague and that sort of thing. So yeah, I think I would do it again. You know, this is like having kids. If you, if you ask someone the question, would they have a, another kid again at like three months in you know, the likelihoods, they may say no. Um, but you ask them at a year and a half or or two years and, and, or or maybe that's a bad, bad example given how difficult the two year old mark could be. But, ask them at some point when the kids are easier to deal with and the difficulty of the early days wears off and they are excited again to do it. So, you know, I think I'm still in the the fatigue stage of the recovery process, which I'll talk about here in a second. But but yeah, give me another few weeks and I think I'd say that i do it again. So I've given a lot of recommendations throughout this episode to other hackathon teams. I'll see if I can digest or I'll... Um, see if I can kind of boil that down here. So first, and a lot of this is a repeat from other episodes, but first prepare. Now you don't have that much time left. It's, you know, a handful of days before the rails rumble, but even if you got four hours of preparation in, it would be way worth it. So prepare, uh, again, what you want the pitch to be on the website, uh, your entry to look like prepare, uh, who's going to do what work. If it's multiple people prepare, kind of what milestones you're going to go for, prepare what, um, infrastructure decisions you're going to make. Like, do I use code ship? Like what do we use testing for? Like, um, um, you know, what add ons do you use? What you know, just get all the infrastructure stuff out of the way you don't have, that's not coding. And you can think through most of that uh, in advance. Um, think about, you know, prioritizing what your MVP looks like. How can, you know, it's the earliest point in the process you can get an app up that could be your entry and get that done and then just do sort of iterative refinement from there. Um, and uh, again, uh, decide early on what your goal is and push for that goal. Um, if your goal is to just have fun, then just have fun and don't care about winning. If your goal is to win, well, you got to care about how you're going to be judged and optimize around that. Um, if you're a solo a participant like I was, I think all of that advice applies. Uh, I think, you know, know what your weaknesses are and try to get them out of the way early. You know, I mean, you're going to be better at some things than others. I think as you fatigue during the event, it'll be easier to fall back on skills that, that are stronger. And uh, I think that means that take the more difficult stuff for you and push it earlier up in the experience. Um, give yourself more time so that, you know, you're not too tired or too stressed to deal well with it. And, and I guess I'll end on that, which is, you know, what about the stress and how hard was the recovery? Well, I don't know if this is because I'm getting old or, or what, but I had a tough time with the recovery on this, um, on this hackathon, as I'd mentioned, I had had a busy week that week, which was unfortunate, really mean for a much more difficult experience for me, but I had been traveling and had long hours uh, throughout the week and, you know, probably was short three or four hours of sleep coming into the event, which was not ideal. But you know, like I said, I only slept seven hours during the uh, the two days and I couldn't have slept any less. I think that was about the limit for me. Um, and I felt okay at the end, but that was still not much sleep, but the recovery was hard. You know, I had, I red eyed it back. So I had that extra wear and tear in my body and it's difficult to sleep. And then yesterday Um, which was the the Monday after the event, I had to sleep. Uh, I need to do the math here. So 11, 11, no, I'm sorry, 10 hours at night and six hours during the day. So, or maybe there's one more at night. So I think 17 hours I had to sleep um, yesterday in order to recover. It was really hard. And I bring all this up just to say, Hey, if, if you're going to really press it during the weekend, and and I think that it's not unreasonable for a weekend to expect your body could get away with six, seven, eight hours of sleep in total, but just budget for the recovery that, um, every hour that you don't get during the weekend, you're going to need to get in the next few days afterwards. If you want to, to not do some damage to your body. And my guess is the older you are, the more true that is. I think that it's true that you need less sleep on average, the older you get, but I think the recovery is a bit more difficult. So for me, it was hard. And uh, thankfully I kind of knew that that was coming and I planned for Monday to be difficult, but it still was, you know, it felt like when I went camping earlier this year with my kids and I got home after not sleeping and camping, you know, and hiking so much and, and not showering and just being through the ringer. It took a solid day and a lot of sleep. Um, and a lot of mental rest to recover. And I'd expect the same um, from a Hackathon if you're going to to really push it. Now I think you can also make the decision that you're not going to and sleep a normal amount. And, and uh, you know, it could be difficult to win, I think, um, if, uh, if you do that, especially if you've got a smaller team. But if your goal is just to have a good time, then maybe you don't want to push it physically so hard because it'll uh, make the week a little bit more difficult. But anyhow, hey, there's my there's my solo podcast accompaniment to my solo entry to a hackathon as a preview to this weekend's Rails Rumble. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope uh, for all those that compete this weekend that you have a great time, that you accomplish what it is that you're trying to accomplish, and uh, take away from it an experience that you can uh, build on. Thanks. Oh, what am I doing? I've got to sign off with my usual sign-off. I'm all... I'm all out of sorts. So uh, if you want to connect with me, uh, talk more about this or anything else, I'm barely known on Twitter.